Today I'm here with Christopher Allred, uh, Administrator, and Giselle Herzfeld, uh, Nuclear Guardianship and Outreach Coordinator for the Rocky Mountain Peace and Justice Center. Today we're going to be talking a little bit about Rocky Flats, uh, the Rocky Mountain Greenway, a path that they are going to be constructing within Rocky Flats, and then also the recent core requests they filed um, with Boulder City. Uh, Chris, uh, Giselle, thank you for speaking with us today. Thanks so much for having us. We're excited to be here. Thank you, John. All right, so uh, first I'd like to just put it out there. What is Rocky Mountain Peace and Justice Center's uh, official stance on Rocky Flats um, considering its past? Yeah, so um, just a little bit about how the Rocky Mountain Peace and Justice Center got started. Um, so Rocky Flats um, began their production of nuclear pits, uh, the plutonium pits, that's the heart of the nuclear bomb. And they began their production of plutonium pits in 1952. And in the beginning, it was um, shrouded in a lot of secrecy. The community didn't know what was going on around Rocky Flats. A lot of people, I think, thought it was a soap factory. Um, but after a series of fires and environmental crimes, it uh, became well known in the public consciousness what was going on at Rocky Flats, what they were creating there, um, which led to a series of protests um, that peaked in the 1983 Rocky Flats encirclement where 17,000 protesters joined hands to encircle the 17 mile perimeter around Rocky Flats. Um, and that was the day that the Rocky Mountain Peace and Justice Center was born. Um, some of the core organizers of the Rocky Flats encirclement decided to create an organization to continue to protest nuclear weapons production and American militarism and imperialism. So that's where we were born. And I think that alone tells you a little bit about our stance around Rocky Flats, um, that we do not believe in the production of nuclear weapons. We also are very aware of the contamination that continues to be present at the Rocky Flats site um, due to the environmental crimes that were never um, sufficiently remediated. So we believe that the place is still very contaminated and that the public should not be allowed or especially not encouraged to recreate at Rocky Flats. And yeah, Chris, I don't know if you want to add anything. Well said, yeah. So we, uh, we serve as a community service organization to educate and organize around nonviolence and issues regarding anti-war and nuclear weapons and we're so we continue to organize around rocky flats which remains a very relevant topic for the entire u.s nuclear weapon complex and then with uh the rocky mountain greenway um and its planned construction um i take it that you have a similar stance on that of course yeah rocky flats should not be open to the public it is still contaminated it was not properly remediated. And we advocate for the precautionary principle. We should not be exposing people to contaminants that remain from the production of weapons of mass destruction. And our government has not been fully honest with the people about the ramifications of that process. And yeah, so it makes no sense to have a picnic or ride one's bike or recreate or horseback ride in any way on that contaminated land. 
And just to give a little bit of context for people who may not have ever heard of Rocky Flats, I know I grew up in Colorado, I'm 24, I never heard about Rocky Flats until I started working for the Peace Center or just a little bit before I started working for the Peace Center. So a lot of people don't actually know about Rocky Flats, um, but Rocky Flats is right in the middle of uh, Boulder, it's Border Superior, Broomfield, Westminster, Arvada, and Golden. Um, it's very close to the Denver metro area as well. Um, so those all encircle the, uh, the Rocky Flats area. Um, and the Rocky Mountain Greenway is a mountain biking trail that the city and county government surrounding Rocky Flats um, are in an intergovernmental agreement to fund um, the creation of a mountain biking trail immediately circling the perimeter of what is still an EPA Superfund site to this day because of the plutonium contamination. Um, the problem with mountain bikes is that if you're out mountain biking, you kick up a lot of dust. That dust could very likely contain plutonium. If you inhale a plutonium particle into your lungs, it is very likely going to get permanently embedded in your lungs. Um, and plutonium is a highly radioactive substance. That's why they use it in bombs. And so if it's embedded in your lung tissue, it is constantly bombarding surrounding cells with radiation, which can lead to lung cancer, a variety of other health problems. If the plutonium gets in other parts of your body and migrates to other parts of your body, it can lead to other health issues. It can lead to reproductive health issues. So really just not something you want in your body and not something that our governments should be letting people risk get in their bodies. So that's our stance on, on the Rocky Mountain Greenway and a little background. Thank you. Um, I understand it's uh, 10 miles south of Boulder and then 15 miles uh, northwest of Denver, correct? Yes, that's correct. Perfect. Uh, all right. Um, and then so recently, uh, you made a CORA request, CORA being the Colorado Open Records Act request uh, into with Boulder City. Um, so why did you initially choose to make this quarter request? Well, we've been in communication with every level of government on this, local, state, and federal. So we've been watching our local governments very closely since 2016, when the Rocky Mountain Greenway was first proposed. And we've been following it every step of the way through the sampling that's been occurring and the, the many different phases of sampling and how that got delayed and a couple of times when public input was invited. And so we knew it would come back to the city governments once the sampling was complete, but we've noticed that the governments have been not very transparent about that process and not really notifying the public about what their plans are moving forward. And so when we were getting no answers, we decided to file a Colorado Open Records Act and seek the answers ourselves because our government, the power of government is vested in the people and the, the government is there to serve the people, but they are not serving the people. They're, the, what we've uncovered with these Colorado Open Records Act emails is that they're actively shutting out the people from being involved in government and they're 
manipulating the agenda in order to not allow public involvement and not allow any other voices at the meeting that oppose the project. So they have what we've discovered with these Quora emails is uh, a series of evidence to show how our government has made a blatant disregard for the community's input and a serious matter of public health. And you shared some of these materials with us regarding um, how the city handled the topic of Rocky Flats. Um, so would you be able to go a little more in depth with what you found um, and kind of what that uh, and kind of what that meant to you? Yeah, so we have been doing outreach since we're based in Boulder. Um, our primary outreach was to the Boulder City Council and the Boulder County Commissioners. Um, and our core request was specifically for the Boulder City Council for emails relating to Rocky Flats and the Rocky Mountain Greenway. And we basically confirmed what we had suspected all along, which was a pattern of shutting out the public specifically manipulating the agenda to avoid any chance of a public hearing on this issue, avoid a study session with balanced sides and experts that say that it's not safe to recreate at Rocky Flats. They avoided that. Um, and they also coordinated with uh, neighboring local governments and neighboring local government staff to rush the project through on all ends to get it done as quickly as possible to avoid public input. Um, and because of that, we saw uh, at the um, Boulder City Council and the Boulder County Commissioners, um, neither meeting allowed any public input or public comment whatsoever. The alerts for these meetings were sent out very, very um, close in advance to when the meeting actually happened. And the presentations that were given on the Rocky Mountain Greenway were incredibly one-sided, were given by um, by people and by organizations that are very invested in moving this project forward. Um, there was no balance of perspectives, no consideration of the health risks of plutonium exposure. Um, and then we saw that the, the decision was made to, to go through with the project. And this was in spite of a sign-on letter um, signed by 119 members of the community, including 60 organizations that signed on in support of a study session to look at the health impacts of plutonium exposure at Rocky Flats and the health risks and the health dangers before moving forward with this project. Um, we also had um, over 100 community members uh, submit a letter to Boulder City Council members and county commissioners um, saying that they wanted a study session. Um, and I, I misspoke, the, um, there it was over 300 people that signed the sign-on letter, not 119. That was the number of people who submitted the letter. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, so just to, to maybe put it in chronological terms, we first started learning about the local governments addressing this again back in December, well, it was around October, November, December of 2020. And Jefferson County held their first public hearing. And Jefferson County has been taking the lead on this for the most part. And then 
in January, Boulder received an information packet. And here's what was happening behind the scenes in January with the city of Boulder. This is a quote directly from Boulder Chief Policy Advisor, Carl Castillo. He says, quote, I haven't seen council ever move matters ahead of public hearing, but it's worth asking. The one thing we don't want, however, is for this to become a public hearing item, which would mean a change to our approach as offering it merely as an update, end quote. So back in January, and this is evident that they were planning to present it merely as an update and they didn't want any community involvement. And by this point, they had been receiving a lot of public feedback that people wanted this issue reopened. Um, they wanted public comment. They wanted a study session. They wanted um, you know, more community involvement in this decision. So they knew at this point that the public wanted more involvement and yet they moved forward and explicitly said that they did not want a public hearing on this issue. So you uh, discussed a little bit of the public being shut out of these discussions and how it seems like they are rushing this project. And in an article published in the Board Daily Camera on April 6th, uh, Chris, you called the commissioner's decision to not hear verbal public comment extraordinarily undemocratic. Um, what would you describe as being your main concerns um, specifically around the conduct of Boulder City um, and then also uh, the lack of public engagement of the issue. What do you feel like your major concerns are there? Well, Giselle mentioned there were 119 emails to the city of Boulder demanding a balanced study session. This is what occurred in Broomfield when talking about a related issue at Rocky Flat, the Jefferson Parkway. That is what we were asking for is Take a closer look at this issue and hear from both sides. Don't only hear from people who promote the project. And with the county, yeah, that what I, when I spoke with the camera regarding the county's decision, they gave three days notice over an Easter holiday weekend about the public hearing. And it wasn't even a public hearing. It's rather Orwellian to call it a public hearing because they denied the public a voice. They said, it's a public hearing, but you can only send in emails. So first of all, that's undemocratic. Don't call it a public hearing if it's not actually, if you're not hearing from the public. Second, we did send them many emails. I think it, it, was, it was 119 for the city of Boulder, since Boulder County was first, I think it was in the 80s or 90s at that time. So they heard from plenty of people asking for a balanced study session and they manipulated those numbers in their, they, they were saying that a number of those emails weren't relevant to their decision at hand. So they dismissed a bunch of those emails acting like they didn't count. So that was undemocratic because it was the clear majority by, uh, it was a super majority of the of the public comment that they received. It was more than two thirds, that's for sure, opposed the Greenway. And so they, they ignored those numbers. They didn't allow anyone to have a voice and they didn't allow anyone else at their meeting who opposed the project to give a separate perspective. 
And um, on this issue, what would you say to those who deem the area safe, who believe the area is safe for people to go into? Um, how would you respond to them? Well, I would say, look at who, who is saying that it's safe and what, <laughs> what, what science is backing up the claim that it's safe. And one of the big conflicts of interest that we've been calling out is that the state health department is operating under regulatory capture by the Department of Energy, which is the federal agency responsible for making nuclear bombs. The state health department, the CDPHE Hazardous Materials and Waste Management Division receives federal funding from the Department of Energy every year. And there's, it's a very complicated subject, radiation health physics. And what's happened is a regulatory framework has been created and manipulated by the nuclear weapons industry. So it's the nuclear, it's oftentimes the pattern I've seen is it's the nuclear weapons industry that's funding the studies that tell us that it's safe. And so there's a vested interest in, in the nuclear weapons complex and confidence that our government is handling that program responsibly. And alas, what I've researched is our government is not handling it responsibly. They have created weapons of mass destruction and now they're lying to the public about the ramifications from that process. So I would tell someone who thinks it's safe to look at who is funding the studies that's saying that it's safe. And one thing that I like to bring up just as an example of how contaminated the place still is, um, is that after the site was closed down in 1989, after an FBI raid found severe environmental violations, it was actually the first time in US history that one government agency um, uh, um, raided another government agency. And um, so the place was shut down and then they had this huge mess to clean up. And so in 2003, the cost of cleanup of Rocky Flats was estimated by the Department of Energy to be $36.6 billion and take 65 years. So that was what the Department of Energy estimated would be required to fully remediate, remediate the place. But what ended up happening was a partial cleanup that totaled $7.3 billion and ended in 2005. So if you just look at those numbers and you compare them, you see $30 billion and 60-ish over 60 years of cut corners and cleanup. And those numbers alone can tell you that the place is still highly contaminated with plutonium and, and other radioactive material like americium, beryllium. I mean, it's not just plutonium. Plutonium's one of the scary ones, but it's not the only scary one. Um, there's you know tons of different uh, radioactive materials that can be found there that are hazardous to human health. Um, one thing about the Rocky Mountain Greenway is that, you know, people riding their bikes. You could have pregnant women riding their bikes. You could have children riding their bikes. I mean, there's no regulation for who visits the site and how much they visit the site. 
and the signage is not proper to warn people of the health risks. And a lot of people have not heard of Rocky Flats, do not know about the contamination at Rocky Flats, and really are not consenting to being exposed to these radioactive materials when they ride the greenway. Um, so that's what our deepest concern is, is that people will be exposed to these radioactive materials without knowing, especially children, if they get this in their bodies, it could affect them the rest of their lives. Um, So following uh, what you discovered through these core reports, uh, through your core requests, um, what are the Rocky Mountain Peace and Justice Center's plans moving forward involving Rocky Flats? Uh, what future actions do you plan on taking? Um, uh, what In the near future, what does the Rocky Mountain Peace and Justice Center plan to do involving Rocky Flats? Well, we're definitely working to continue community education for people to know where they can go to learn about what's happening and education is really an ongoing task that's for sure trying and what's being proposed is a new plutonium bomb plant in south carolina so we're looking to keep building on what we've learned regarding Rocky Flats and help others around the nation to know that that's not a good direction to go. And the US does not need more nuclear weapons. And with regards to Rocky Flats, we will continue organizing with local governments and, and community organizations and building alliances and it's just, it's a patient long haul in order to keep finding allies who are interested in the long arc of justice here, because that that's the, uh, it's such a long-term issue and nuclear guardianship is a, a set of principles around responsible management of nuclear waste for countless generations. So that that is uh, for looking into the future because plutonium, for example, has a half-life of 24,000 years. So it's beyond our comprehension how long these hazardous materials will remain in the environment. And so that's the long-term. And in the short-term, we just do our best to keep building alliances and and acting in the present in order to make that long-term vision a reality. One thing that really drives me as a young person organizing around this issue is the fact that I grew up in Colorado and for something as just of the magnitude of Rocky Flats, the fact that I had never heard about it growing up with it right in my backyard that shocked me once I learned that I had never heard of that and that it was such a big deal. Um, and that scared me, you know, because when I talk to older people who grew up in Colorado, they all know Rocky Flats, like they all know the name. But when I talk to younger people in my age group who grew up in Colorado, they do not know the name Rocky Flats. Or if they do, they've only heard the name. They don't really know what happened there. And so I see it as my generational responsibility to keep the memory of this contamination 
alive of these environmental crimes alive so that not only my generation but future generations will remember what happened there and will remember that that place is dangerous because like Chris said, you know, the half-life of plutonium is 24,110 years. Uh, it stayed radioactive for over 250,000 years. You know, if you think about that philosophically, I mean, you think about the uh, the pyramids that was, you know, six 6,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago. And those are the ancient pyramids, you know, and then you compare that to 24,000 years, like what is the world gonna look like in 24,000 years? that place is still going to be hazardous and carcinogenic. And that's crazy to think about. And so, yeah, but what we what we can do is just make sure that people do not forget what happened there. And in the meantime, do everything we can to continue to organize so that people do not recreate on the site. That is our main goal, is that people do not recreate on the site and do not expose themselves and their loved ones to plutonium and other radioactive material. Um, Chris, uh, just when you began your answer, you cut out on my end for just a few seconds. Um, you cut back in when you're mentioning the plant in South Carolina. Uh, would you be able to restate uh, what you said there, just for our audience? Sure. So um, at Rocky Flats, they made 70,000 plutonium pits. Those are triggers for a nuclear bomb, the plutonium core of a nuclear bomb. But that wasn't enough for the US government. They want to make more. And they're trying to fund billions of taxpayer dollars to make new plutonium pits at South Carolina, the Savannah River site, which was is it's a part of the nuclear weapons complex, but it it wasn't originally designed to manufacture plutonium pits. That occurred at Rocky Flats, and it also currently occurs at Los Alamos, New Mexico. But now they're talking about creating a new bomb plant in South Carolina for that purpose. Uh, Giselle, you mentioned the um, kind of that generational responsibility to keep the memory of Rocky Flats alive. Um, do you fear that people will end up forgetting this uh, in the future um, based on what you've seen? Absolutely. That is one of the things that scares me about the Rocky Mountain Greenway is it seems like just another step in greenwashing this area and forgetting that it ever happened there. Because if they build a mountain biking trail, all of a sudden people think, oh, look at this nice mountain biking trail. Oh, this is a beautiful area. I mean, it is a beautiful area. It's such a shame. Um, but yeah, I mean, and then, you know, people say, oh, if it's got a mountain biking trail, we can develop closer to the mountain biking trail. Um, and it's just one step in the direction of losing this in generational memory. And honestly, I believe that's what the Department of Energy wants is for it to be this, this nice little happy story of, oh yeah, there were some environmental crimes there. Yeah, there was some pollution, some bad stuff happened, but look, now we've got a beautiful bike trail and nice housing development. So it's all better, which helps to justify the creation of new nuclear weapons plants like the one that Chris described. So it's all part of this complex that is, it's, you know, it includes Rocky Flats, but it's not just Rocky Flats. It's the whole nuclear weapons um, complex that is a um, national issue. It is a global issue. It affects everybody. Um, and yeah, for me, like this cannot get lost in generational memory. This cannot have a happy, nice bow tied around it because it is so horrific what happened there and continues to happen there. 
You mentioned the term greenwashing. Uh, could you explain to us a little more of what you mean by that? Um, yeah, I mean, that might not be the most, the most accurate term, um, but um, yeah, I mean, the place is still massively contaminated with plutonium. Um, it is an environmental hazard. It is, you know, a, it comes from a long history of environmental crimes and environmental degradation. And if they're building this mountain biking path, mountain biking trails are, you know, they're, they're natural spaces, they're natural, beautiful, open spaces. And so it covers up the environmental crimes and the pollution that happen there um, and puts a, a nice mountain bike biking trail on it. That also, the trail is intended to connect to the Rocky Mountain Arsenal, which is another uh, just weapons complex in, in Colorado. And I just find it strange that they're trying so hard to build mountain biking paths around weapons manufacturing sites. Like there's so many places you could build a path. Why are you doing it there? Yeah. Yeah. Greenwashing sometimes uh, uh, might be in terms of energy efficiency too, but this, this um, particular case of greenwashing is, I mean, green is right in the name. It's the Rocky Mountain Greenway. And it's a part of America's great outdoor program. And it's not referred to as a mountain biking trail going around an active Superfund site. One of the national priority list, EPA's Superfund list are the most contaminated sites in the nation. It, Greenwashing is calling it something else to make it seem nice, but not telling the truth about what it is. <laughs> I suppose the last question I would have would be um, just overall, what are your hopes for the future of Rocky Flats, the Rocky Mountain Greenway, and um, this super fund in general? For, for me, um, I believe that the first step is to stop allowing public recreation on the site. The second is, you know, those $30 billion of cut corners and cleanup, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done for actual remediation. I also, you know, if, if I had my way, uh, there would be a monument built there, something to warn generations, thousands of years in the future of the hazardous material that is present there. Um, which gets into philosophical conversations about how do you warn a society, you know, 20,000 years in the future about something, um, but some kind of monument commemorating what happened there. Definitely in the short term, better signage so that people can at least consent or have some awareness of what they're exposing themselves to before they decide to expose themselves to it. At the end of the day, it's your choice what you expose your body to, but you should have that choice and it should be an informed choice. Well said, and I'd also like to see more solidarity with local communities and local governments to reconcile what happened at Rocky Flats and what responsible steps we can take together because it's a challenge we face together. And it's, it's it, it would be a, we would be, are stronger people together. And if we all knew what was happening out there and we didn't let 
our government's nuclear weapons program deceive us and use our taxpayer dollars to fund more weapons of mass destruction while they try to sell us the contaminated land as a nice place to have a picnic. We need to build more local solidarity to not let our government take advantage of us and mislead us. That, that's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see people coming together and holding our government accountable to the people. It's the people that our government is serving. So the people need to be educated and the people need to have solidarity and not let the government <laughs> run rampant because that's kind of what's happening with the military industrial complex. It's out of control, it's running rampant. It's destroying the environment. It's causing wars, it's causing conflict. So yeah, I'd like to see people build more solidarity. I would also um, more broadly than Rocky Flats, but definitely related to Rocky Flats, I would like to see us as a nation and as a global population move away from this area or, uh, not area, era of nuclear weapons and nuclear bombs. I do not like living in a world where there is this looming fear of a nuclear apocalypse. I always grew up thinking that that was something that my parents faced and my grandparents faced. And that, you know, for me, I, I always grew up thinking that climate change was the apocalyptic scenario. And I still think climate change is an apocalyptic scenario that we have to reckon with. I do work around that constantly, but I also think that nuclear weapons are another apocalyptic scenario that we need to reckon with. And we need to come together as a national population, as a global population and say, we do not want this, new, this looming threat of nuclear bombs anymore. <laughs> um, so as a, as a broad wish for the future of the world, I hope that nuclear weapons can one day be completely obsolete. Well, that comes to the end of my questions. Uh, but while we have this time, is there anything else you'd like to say to our audience? Leave us a last note, or is there just anything else you would like to mention to them while we have this time? Yeah, thank you so much for asking. Um, I would just like to say if anyone wants to get involved in this issue, if anyone wants to learn more, have a conversation, um, I would like to point you to our website, which is www.rmpjc.org. Um, it's www.rmpjc.org. And we're always looking to organize with local, um, local groups, local activists. We're a multi-issue organization. So not only do we focus on Rocky Flats, we also focus on international policy and global peace. We focus on economic justice social justice, racial justice. I mean, we just, you know, peace and justice, anything that's under the umbrella of peace and justice, we support and endorse. So um, if anyone would like to get involved or have a conversation, our doors are always open and we would love to talk to you. And thank you so much for having us and for giving us this time. Yes, thank you, John. And just one more time, that's rmpjc.org and We'd love for people to get more involved. We're hosting an atomic film series this summer 
and we're co-sponsoring with Naropa University and we're hosting this at the Trident Booksellers on Pearl Street. So we invite people, if that's one way to, to uh, become more introduced with the organization and with uh, the topics. The next film screening is on Friday, July 9th. It'll be Children of Men and there will be uh, a free screening and then a discussion. And then the, following that is a screening of Grave of the Fireflies on August 6th. It's the anniversary of Hiroshima. So we'll be hosting community events and ways for people to get involved. All right. Chris, uh, Giselle, thank you for coming to talk with us today. Thank you for having us. Thank you, John.